You're listening to Cancer Covered. So a lot of cancer treatments interrupt cell division. But because hair growth depends on the follicle, which is near the root of the hair, adding on new cells to the hair shaft consistently and the hair growing as a result, when a person gets a large dose of certain types of chemotherapy, there's a temporary interruption in those cells being added. So it's like it gets cut at the base. You're listening to Cancer Covered with Green Bay Oncology, where we explore pressing cancer issues and look for ways healthcare professionals, patients, and their families can cope better together. I'm Dr. Mitch Winkler. And I'm Kyla King. And we're your hosts. If you spent any time in crowds recently, there's a good chance that you walked past someone who's receiving cancer treatment and you didn't even know it. A large proportion of cancer patients can work and socialize pretty normally during treatment. And since hair loss from treatment is rarer than it used to be, they can often fly under the radar. But hair loss still occurs for a minority of cancer patients, and the distress it causes them isn't just vanity. In today's episode, we'll talk about why some cancer treatments cause hair loss, why it's more than just a cosmetic concern, and what patients can do about it. Why does hair loss happen with some treatments? So a lot of cancer treatments interrupt cell division. But because hair growth depends on the follicle, which is near the root of the hair, adding on new cells to the hair shaft consistently and the hair growing as a result, when a person gets a large dose of certain types of chemotherapy, there's a temporary interruption in those cells being added. So it's like it gets cut at the base. The hair shaft keeps coming out of the normal follicle, and when it reaches the end of the follicle, it takes about two weeks, the hair shaft just falls out. So that's why and how chemotherapy happens. And because for certain chemotherapy regimens, about the time cell division in the follicle starts to recover is right around the time that they get another dose of chemotherapy. So during the limited course of certain chemotherapies, hair growth may not reoccur. And again, it's got to do with that snipping of the shaft. Which treatments are likely to cause it? Some of the drugs that are most associated with it are anthracyclines, which we use a lot in breast cancer, or at least in the most intensive regimens for breast cancer. Cyclophosphamide, which we also use for breast cancer, for lymphomas, for things like bladder cancer, and and a few other types of cancers, lymphomas from time to time. We also see it with taxane drugs, which are used in a lot of different types of cancer. But it's not that if patients get these drugs that it's preordained that their hair is going to fall out. It's not just a matter of did they get the drug, it's what was the dose and was it intense. For instance, most breast cancer regimens these days don't actually result in hair loss. They still include many of the drugs that I just mentioned, but the dose intensity is way less than it used to be. Is the hair loss permanent? It is not. Uh, Once the intensive part of the chemotherapy is over, hair starts to regrow, usually within about two to four weeks from the last dose. There's actually one very commonly used breast cancer recipe that's intense for the first two months and then less intense for the next three months. And what we usually observe is that hair loss occurs about two weeks after the first dose during the first two months and then about two weeks after 
the first two-month intense period. But while they're getting the less intense part of it, their hair will actually start to regrow. Sometimes it comes in slightly different. Sometimes the color may be a bit different. Sometimes the texture is a little bit different. That's usually temporary. But sometimes people, they become gray where they didn't before. I've actually seen people who were very, very gray, whose hair came back with a little bit more color than it had. People with curly hair, hairs come in straight and vice versa. So that can sometimes happen as well. Why does hair loss cause such distress for cancer patients? So there's this movie from the 1990s called The Doctor, uh, starring William Hurt. And it's about a, a not very nice doctor who himself is diagnosed with cancer and goes through cancer treatment. And it makes him, a, among other things, it makes him more patient and, and uh, just an all-around better person and helps him relate to his patients better. It's not the world's best movie. But there's this one memorable scene in it where he's melting down in his oncology clinic and he screams out at the end of this tantrum. It's just, and will everybody please wipe that caring look off their face because it, it's a real pain. Most cancer patients want to be as normal as possible and going about their lives without interruption. And part of going on a about their lives as normally as possible is looking normal and not being recognizably ill or recognizably a cancer patient. Well-meaning people will stop them and ask, oh, how are you doing? And, you know, less well-meaning people may act uncomfortable or you know, nobody wants to be othered. And it's just this constant gnawing stress. And it's a constant reminder, even when they can take a mental break from being a cancer patient for a little while. If they look different every time they pass a mirror or every time they catch that worried look in somebody's eye, it reminds them again of, of what they're going through. And uh, I've heard patients tell me it's extremely tiresome. Can it ever be prevented? The best results for prevention with recipes that we know are pretty well guaranteed to cause hair loss is with scalp cryotherapy, essentially applying intense cold during chemotherapy infusions when the drug concentration and exposure to the scalp is, is at its highest, and cutting off or substantially reducing blood flow. The way that works is the cold dampens blood flow to the scalp and the hair follicles enough that the very highest peak concentrations of the chemotherapy don't make it into, into the follicles. So uh, they don't get the same toxicity to the same degree. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean that it, it's, it's a perfect preventative because, again, the concentrations of the drug stay in people for several hours, usually about a day or two after the treatment infusion is complete. But, you know, even just having a temporary dampening of that seems to reduce the likelihood of hair loss in most people. How that works in practice is what's commonly referred to as a cold cap. And it's this fairly large apparatus that uh, people apply and, and either has ice in it or constantly circulating cold water or other cooling agents. There's a lot of different formulations of this and a lot of different manufacturers. Uh, and you wear it little bit before the treatment starts and then for the duration of the infusion, whether that's 30 minutes or whether that's three and a half hours or, or something of that sort. And then in some cases, I think a little bit afterwards. We, we've had several patients in the clinic that have made use of it 
they tell me it's pretty uncomfortable. I mean, because the, the cold is very intense. I mean, just try to picture holding your hand in ice water for a long period of time. And that's, that's what it's like. So it's a difficult thing to do, but the patients that I've seen them go through it, it, it works pretty well. One of the other challenges is there are, for all practical purposes, no insurers that pay for it. And, you know, it's a significant out-of-pocket expense to either rent or buy one of these devices. No one should carry the burden of cancer alone. And while every physician approaches cancer with their own unique skill set, we all agree on this one simple idea. Hi, I'm Dr. Gayu, a physician at Green Bay Oncology. The truth is, a cancer diagnosis can make you and your loved ones feel isolated and overwhelmed. And these moments are exactly when you need support the most. That's why all our doctors rely on the support of our team of qualified medical professionals. And here's two of them. Hi, I'm Madison Young. And I'm Tom Beckers. As social workers, we see how meaningful connection brings strength and healing to patients and loved ones facing cancer every single day. Our patients and physicians agree, sharing your experience in a safe space with others is powerful and therapeutic. That's why we offer a free monthly virtual and in-person cancer support group facilitated for you, wherever you are on your cancer journey. So whether by internet, phone, or in-person, you'll have access to the support of a community on a similar path. To join us, visit gboncology.com and click on support. In your everyday practice, how common is it for you to see people that lose their hair during treatment and what percentage of people tend to keep their hair? There are two broad categories of cancer patients generally. There's cancer patients that are receiving uh, chemotherapy with curative intent, either for a leukemia or lymphoma that's potentially curable. Then there are people who are getting chemotherapy either before or as follow-up to a surgery for curable cancer. We see that with lung cancer. We see that with breast cancer. Very, very often we see that with colon cancer. For just the solid tumor patients, that's things like breast cancer and lung cancer and colon cancer. Most patients don't lose their hair because the recipes over the years have gotten less intensive. Most patients don't lose their hair. Patients with the most aggressive form of breast cancer, triple negative breast cancer, because they're chemotherapy is much more intense, the vast majority of them do lose their hair. Or people who have breast cancer who have a quite a lot of lymph node involvement, uh, those people will usually also lose their hair. For the most part, most patients who are getting intensive chemotherapy for either leukemia or lymphoma, for the most aggressive forms of leukemia and lymphoma, these multi-drug regimens, many of which have to be given in the hospital, are all going to lose their hair. But it's got to be under 25% these days, probably well under that, that lose their hair. You've been doing this for a really long time. So how have you seen people cope with the hair loss differently? Yeah, there's there's been a lot of ways. Probably the most common way to cope, this is before the cold caps and, and still today, one of the most common ways for people who want to go on about their lives is to get a medical-grade wig, which are available for rent or purchase. Insurers uh, very will often uh, cover the cost of that. It depends very much on the exactly which insurer it is. 
And these are of such high quality and working with a cancer esthetician can usually match the hair color and the hair style so that it, it is almost unnoticeable. I've had patients come in for cycle two of AC, which is one of the breast regimens that does it. And, you know, that's usually the first time that they walk into the office without hair. And I had forgotten that it was cycle two for a moment because the quality of the, the wig was so good. That historically has been one of the most typical ways. I had one memorable patient who I had known a little bit before uh, she got diagnosed and saw her for quite a while after, and she had a, a interesting take on it. She absolutely leaned into the hair loss and made it a part of her new temporary style, and she did a lot of things with scarves and wraps and with a real stylish flair. That was one way that I saw that was that was quite memorable. The biggest adaptation is is just getting used to that double take that people that don't know you the first time they see someone you expect to have their hair doesn't. And either learning to ignore that or learning not to feel in a particular way about it and going about their business. And that, that takes some doing. I imagine it would take me some doing. I tend to like to fly under the radar many ways too, believe it or not. What I hope people who might be facing hair loss from cancer treatment We'll keep in mind is first, how you feel about this is absolutely valid. Don't ever let anybody tell you that this is some vanity thing and it shouldn't bother you. It is perfectly fine to be troubled by this. That said, for the vast majority of patients that I've worked with who've gone through hair loss, who've even dreaded it, when it happened for them, it amounted to a bad couple of days emotionally and not a lot more. The second thing I would hope people keep in mind is humans are incredibly adaptable and being noticed a bit more than you did before, possibly even in an unwelcome way, is something that you can cope with. You can absolutely do this. You can come into the office and we can even talk about it. It's a thing that most people can cope with without really a lot of distress. It is occasionally something people have drawn strength from. There's as many different ways to cope with it as there are people. I have yet to see someone who was uh, emotionally broken by it. Third, always remember this is a temporary phase, just like the cancer treatment is. And part of putting this cancer experience in the rearview mirror will be the return of your hair. So in a way, it's like a road sign or a waypoint for, for what you're going through. And you can think about it as a validation of the significance of what you're going through. Happily, it's, it's less and less frequent these days. Thanks for joining us on Cancer Covered. Please let us know what you think by leaving a review. To learn more, read our blog, request an appointment, search available clinical trials, or even apply to become a member of the team, go to gboncology.com. Music.